The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Barron's Live. I'm Ali Coram, Multimedia Content Editor at Investors Business Daily, joined today by Chris Gessel. He's our Chief Content Officer, and today we're going to be focusing on strategies for volatile markets. So, Chris, a very appropriate topic <laughs> given how the first week of the year kicked off. Yeah, well, we were we were thinking like uh, uh, maybe... This might not be relevant once we do the show, but uh, it turns out spot on. Exactly. Yeah, because we started planning this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I guess to give everyone a little bit of context uh, for our approach, because we're all about using technicals to assess market health. So why don't we go ahead and take a look at the NASDAQ? And for those who are who are watching this live, so you can see here, I have uh, the Nasdaq Composite pulled up on MarketSmith. So the last month plus of 2021, we started seeing heightened volatility coming back into the market. A lot of tricky uh, headlines to navigate really requiring investors to be flexible more than ever. And just when we thought, uh, you know, right at the end of the year, Christmas week, got a little bit of a Christmas present or so we thought, mm -hmm. um, strength coming back into the market. But just just when we started getting drawn in, we get slammed down once again, Chris. Yeah. And, and really, this is just a continuation of the volatility that we've been seeing ever since uh, the market reversed off the top at 16.2. Uh, 16,212. So, uh, and, and you can just, you know, visually see it. It was, even in the correction in September, those bars were not nearly as wide. And, and then we had a nice steady run up, you know, uh, that's, those are the type of rallies that we love. I mean, we call that a power trend. And, and since then, it's, you know, big moves up and down day to day, it makes it very difficult to have conviction and to sit with stocks. So uh, big change in the market. And what we're seeing the last four days uh, is a what we what we it's a potential vertical violation. And uh, and, and basically when the market starts selling off, even having some big sell offs like three percent like we had on Wednesday and maybe down five out of six days that is a sign that that we could be uh, at you know that a bigger correction is brewing, and typically uh, the when this happened in 2018, that led to the um, to the uh, that that fourth quarter bear market and that last three months. And typically, that's what happens with a vertical violation. You're going to be in a correction for at least three months, and uh, there there'll be some you know tries for the market to to rebound and then uh, come back, but it'll, they'll fail. And then finally, as we came and started hitting lows in late December, we, you know, the Fed changed its stance and then the market <laughs> came roaring back. So 
maybe we're in the same sort of uh, situation this time. Right. We don't know. So it, it could be a vertical violation in the works, but that's sort of the backdrop. That's the mm -hmm. context for what we're working with here. So, all right. Now that uh, we have that, let's talk okay. about <laughs> some, some strategies for handling these volatile conditions, because um, the last thing that you want to do is to get in you know, in that mid-October period, that nice power trend, like you said, just to see all those gains disappear. So one of the things that we can do is to hedge. Right. Well, actually, even before you consider hedging, the, the, the easiest way to hedge your portfolio is to sell. <laughs> And uh, you don't have to sell everything, but uh, especially the stocks that you're holding that are, are showing uh, sell signals. And why don't we show, I mean, for us, one of the key sell signals when you're holding uh, a stock as a position trade where you're trying to get, uh, you know, an extended move off, off of it for months or maybe even years uh, is a decisive close below the 10 week moving average. So um, exactly, I was gonna say, let's call up in mode because that's such a great- All the same wavelength. Yeah, there. so, and 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 actually, if you look at this, um, maybe change the scale to best fit because we're, we're not even seeing where the it came out. Move, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, so uh, in this case, it broke out uh, back in the, the, um, the third quarter of September um, 20, and then went on this amazing run. And that red line is the 10 week moving average. And so what we like to see is a stock get support. And even when it built that base, it didn't really, um, uh, it, it came down and, and, uh, and closed below it. And then the next week it really um, went below, but by the end of the week, it reversed higher. So that's a situation, especially, especially if, you bought in early and you've got a big profit cushion, you can give a stock a little more room. And when you see a reversal like that, now where your line in the sand would be that week's low. So let's say it it reversed lower and closed below that, then you would be out of the stock. But it actually retook the 10 week and started moving higher. We actually, the, for, for us who owned it, uh, or many of us, and uh, we highlighted this um, sell rule on leaderboard when it went vertical and broke a channel line. And if you can draw that for everyone, Allie, right there. So anytime a stock starts uh, getting overheated, especially after an extended run, that's a great time to sell into strength. If you didn't sell there, when it decisively broke the 10-week moving average uh, last month, right there, uh, and, and, you know, Let's see how many percent it was on the close that week. Yeah, by the time it closed, it was 19% below yeah. the 10-week yeah. line. And typically, we're looking for a close of 2% or more. So that's a, you know, and, and when you're seeing a stock act like that, often what we'll do on leaderboard or in our own accounts, we'll be taking, we'll be reducing exposure, maybe selling a third or a half and waiting till the end of the week, Friday afternoon to see, okay, does it come back? Because oftentimes they do, and then the, the stock continues. In this case, it didn't. And for folks who didn't sell, now we're getting another sell signal this week of a decisive close below the 40-week moving average or the 200-day on a daily. So this is a great example of 
how to take profits on the way up and capture those gains on the on the winners. So uh, assuming you've everyone had done that and 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 now you're just sitting with some stocks that are still acting well, maybe we can revisit the hedge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple different hedging strategies. And mm -hmm. since Chris, you always have uh, a great pulse on the market. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, you're looking closely at is how extended QQQ, the ETF, which tracks NASDAQ 100, is above its 50-day line. That's kind of the first warning sign that maybe the market is getting a little overheated and could be due for pulling in. Yeah, based on historical research that we've done and uh, and some AI analysis of the markets um, and stocks above their 50-day moving averages, we know that the Qs, when they get to six, seven, eight percent above the the 50-day uh, moving average, and this is after um, you know they've been trending a while. You you don't apply this rule. Uh, after a, a deep market bottom like we saw right. in March 2020. But when they're trending and all of a sudden, again, it's that same idea. When 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 a stock or a market is moving higher and then kind of hits the gas and gets extended, it's highly likely that it's going to pull back. So one thing you can do is when the market is is getting six, seven, eight percent, just be ready to know that uh, a pullback is coming. Okay, so then how do you hedge? Well, we already said one, one you know, the easiest and surest way to hedge yes. is to take some profits, reduce your exposure. Another way is uh, you can take advantage of inverse uh, ETFs. So for QQQ, there's one called SQQQ, which is a, uh, a triple leveraged and if you look at the chart, it, it looks terrible because of the contango. It, it always, it, long-term, always falling if right. you look at it on a weekly chart. So, um, and that's another- We look another, at QQQ right, right. to so make, make the decisions with- Yeah, you make your decisions based on QQQ. Don't, don't try to apply technical analysis to SQQQ. It's the only thing to do with that one long-term is to short it if you can or buy puts. But- that's another conversation. <laughs> so, uh, so in this case, um, what you're looking for is if the market is getting extended. Okay, so one way you can hedge is by uh, just uh, hedging the market and and going short the market. And you could do that with an inverse ETF. You could buy puts. Um, that can be a little tougher because they're even on QQQ, the puts are not nearly as liquid uh, and the spreads are a little wider than they are on let's say maybe uh, the s p so that can be a problem um and then what i do for myself is to to uh short nasdaq futures so when i want to um, reduce my exposures instantly and i've been doing this for um, on and off and right now on uh uh, I just short the NASDAQ futures and in, on some platforms, it's very easy to tell you, you on TD Ameritrade, for example, they have a, a feature called beta weighting and you can see with the stocks that you own or the indexes you own, what the relationship is to the NASDAQ and you just buy enough futures that you turn that number to zero. It's not perfect, but it gets you right in the ballpark. And so that's another way uh, to uh, hedge. And yeah. 
one that I do all the time. Yes, yes. You keep us updated on your your hedge watch actively mm-hmm. uh, on IBD Live. And if you look in the chat, you can see a couple links that are very helpful. Producer Crystal has added there. We have a webinar that Chris and Justin Nielsen, our market research director, did last year that goes really in-depth. I mean, it was over an hour, right? I mean, on all things Mm -hmm. hedging. So if you want more, I know we're just scratching the surface here with this webinar. That's one resource. Uh, We also have a video there. Uh, Chris, uh, he did an explainer, about 20 minutes. He shared his thinkorswim (laughs) screen, uh, how he hedges with futures. Uh, So that's another great demo to take a look at. Okay, so a couple of questions then, Chris. So if you want to use SQQQ to hedge your portfolio, how talk us through a little bit more how you determine the position size, how much of it do you buy to hedge your portfolio? Well, um, you use SQQQ if your portfolio generally follows the NASDAQ. If your portfolio is more keyed to the S&P, then I would I would use that um, uh, uh, an inverse ETF on that. And again, even with using SQQQ, if you um, take advantage of the beta weighting feature on TD Ameritrade, and I assume other platforms have similar things, you can see what the relationship of the different um, uh, uh stocks are with the etf and then you'll know exactly how much you need to to buy to um uh to hedge your portfolio so but the basic rule of thumb is uh you know typically um stocks uh will drop two sometimes even three times as more than the uh, market uh, averages. So, you know, maybe start with the, in, in the two range. So if you're, uh, I guess, and then it gets a, a little confusing. So let's say you have $100,000 yeah. of, of, uh, of market exposure and you, you basically track the NASDAQ or, or, or maybe you're, you know, you're 50% better. So maybe you think, okay, you're, um, your 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 really how your market is versus the Nasdaq. It's more like one hundred and fifty thousand, even though that you've got a hundred thousand dollars in the market. So that would suggest that you you'd need about fifty thousand dollars of SQQQ to um, to hedge your portfolio. But a lot of it comes with uh, you you need to manage it because there are some days where the market can be down but some of your stocks are up and so you're making money on your hedge and making money on your stocks and so now you think you're king of the world because uh, nothing's been better you know you're 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 winning on both ends and then there are days where the hedge uh, isn't working because everything else is falling and you're you're still losing money so it's not a perfect um, uh, strategy you know ultimately, raising cash is the surest way to make sure you you lock in those gains and protect yourself in a down market. Definitely. And going back to, all right, so if you started hedging when the market was extended, how do you know when to start peeling off that hedge? Well, what I typically do is I'm looking for 
signals on the daily chart. And that can be a reversal. So the market comes down, hits a low, and then um, uh, breaks higher and, and closes above the uh, the high of the of the low day so that that's one way to do it you can also use uh, technical indicators like stochastics or rsi and when things are getting oversold um, uh, look for an entry that way uh, a thing that we use you know when we are in a correction is called a follow-through day and what we're looking for is a big boost of volume and the latest one exactly right there so if you had been out of the market um, on that day, uh, in in before that day, that would have been your signal to start raising exposure. So that's another way to start getting back in and then take advantage of that rally that uh, worked very well for mm -hmm. about, what, six weeks or so. Yes. And then there was a, a very tricky period uh, in mid-December with right. around the, the Fed announcement also as well and now we're we're testing the lows okay so that's a little bit about hedging your entire portfolio using etfs we also talked about just buying right and selling right that can help you navigate a, a volatile market periods as well what about hedging individual positions say that you do have a really big gain on and you want to try to go for a really big move mm -hmm. you can also hedge that individual position yeah and actually that's um what i like to do ultimately is hedge my individual stocks with puts and then if i you know have uh market etfs like tqqq hedge those with futures and and then you can be very precise and you know exactly uh how much you're hedged and and what you need to do so uh let's take a look let's uh look at a an example of a individual stock and which one do you want to take a look at uh well we could do ipos we could do something a little more established or we could do both well, let's uh, do... let's uh let, let, let's start with the I, an ipo and then we'll show how you do it for um a larger uh, mm -hmm longer position so uh we, you know the ipo market has been very wild this year and and actually wh why don't you show the uh the ipo etf because i thought yes. this was really uh instructive today and if we go to a weekly chart so ipos in 2020 were incredible i mean there were so many big gains and they were volatile but generally as a as a group they were moving higher now look in 2021 very different action up and down lots of wide swings not holding that 10-week moving average so now let's go back to onon and this is one that had caught our our eye because one it was profitable nice to see a profitable ipo and uh, had really big uh sales growth so that's always excellent when um when you're seeing you know sales growth of 50% or more and and it's not coming off of little numbers it's not one or two million uh, uh, dollars in sales per quarter but in this case the the uh, the sales were in the hundreds of millions so that that's a good mm -hmm. sign so this thing was setting up and uh, I bought it as it was I think let's go back to the daily. I think I got it on on, on the breakout um, 
maybe a little early, but it was, you know, it was a good entry. And, uh, and so, you know, it, in two days, it was 40% above that buy point from a cup with handle. And, and that outline is something that if you uh, have MarketSmith, uh, it'll show you that, you know, the, the, the patterns of stocks, whether cups, cups with handles, flat bases, all sorts of things. So, uh, but what we do know is that when a stock gets 20% or more above the 10 day moving average, it's, you, you need to be on watch for a reversal. And some can go a lot higher. I mean, last year, uh, when, when I say last year, I mean, 2020, <laughs> the big last year, uh, we were seeing stocks that might get 30, 40, even 50% above their 10 day uh, moving average. But when before they, pulling re- in, yeah. yeah, before they, but when they started reversing, that was the time to take action. So based on some other stocks that I had uh, played with this uh, past year, where I had a lot of conviction and thought they were really good, but gave back the gains. On this one, I said, I'm not going to give back the gain. So on that day when it was uh, nearing the high and I'm just thinking, uh, this is uh, this is looking too good. I think it was around 52 or 54. I decided, you know what, I'm going to uh, hedge this. And so I uh, checked out um, um, the puts, and there's a couple things that I look for. I want to get uh, a put with a delta of 0.5. It just makes it easier to uh, size your your position. So mm-hmm. if you have 100 shares of this stock and you want to completely hedge it, you would buy two puts with a delta of 0.5. And what that delta means is for every point the stock moves, it moves half as much. So if you want to completely hedge your position, you have to buy um, two puts for every hundred shares. In this case, um, I was like, well, you know, maybe this will go higher. I'll, I'll just do a half hedge. And, uh, I, you know, bought the put and, uh, and then the next day it just started, um, it plunged. And the great thing about this strategy, oh, let me just uh, add. So the other key element is you need to give yourself enough time. Do not buy a short dated put. You need to buy something that's maybe three months, at least three months out. Uh, and if it's a, a really big move where you think you know the stock might be uh, might be uh, consolidating for months, at least a six or maybe a nine month uh, put. So you don't want erosion of time value to be taking the, you know, destroying the value of the put. So back to uh, ONON. Uh, so I had a, um, this was in November, and I think I had a, a, a January uh, uh, put. And so it mm-hmm. you know, had plenty of time on it. And the great thing about this strategy, it is my favorite option strategy because when the the stock starts falling, the put starts gaining more value because the delta goes up. And so by that next day, instead of a 0.5 delta, the, the put had a 0.8 delta. And I think it got as high as almost uh, point, like 0.86. And so it was amazing that it was nearly that this one put was uh, offsetting almost all the losses that I was suffering from the stock. And so I held it for a few days. And then on 
uh, on that day where it actually came down to 40 uh, and round tripped, it's like, okay, that is a bad sign when a stock round trips a gain of 20% or more, actually even 10%. Mm-hmm. And so I just closed out the put, closed the, um, uh, the, the shares and came away uh, better off than I was right at the top. Right. And so even for those who maybe haven't dabbled in options yet, mm-hmm. walk through how you could trade this without before round tripping. I mean, taking taking that quick profit, even if it's just oh, a yeah. commercial profit, is huge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's uh, a good way to do it is when you get extended from uh, the 10-day moving average like that, you know, you're... I don't know at that where when it closed how how far above the 10 day was it I'm sorry I was reading something how far above the 10 day it closed on the top day 29 uh, yeah 29% yeah. above the 10 day so so 20% is like the initial area so if you're hitting 30% so at the at the peak it was well over 30% I would be taking at least a third of the position off maybe a half and then uh, on the next day, when it broke uh, so hard, maybe uh, taking off another third. And then before you don't, you know, just emotionally, you don't want to give back a 40% gain. So when mm-hmm. it starts getting close to uh, uh, like like the day where it closed below the 10-day moving average, um, a day before where I closed the trade, that might be where if I were just holding it um, uh closing it out and and moving on from mm-hmm. that point yes those moving averages uh, short-term moving averages and long-term whether it's the 10 day or 10 week using those moving averages as your guide uh for buying and selling is huge 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 uh part of what we do with our technical analysis okay so, so we, now yeah go ahead yeah, yeah well so let's take a look at tesla and yes. and on a weekly chart and so last year in um, in uh, uh, January, this stock had just had a, uh, an incredible move, but it started having some of the elements of a what we call a climax run. It wasn't didn't have everything, but it had maybe six out of ten elements, and so it was you know had a, a what we call an exhaustion gap it'd been running up and then gapped and so on that big last blue bar it was looking uh, vertical and and very climactic and so i started taking profits uh, on it and then over the next couple of weeks i was out and by actually before it it, it broke through the the 10 week moving average and sure enough, what happened there is it consolidated for you took know, a long like, time yeah, off, nine months. Now, uh, what you could have done with this is maybe bought a a six or nine month put, and um, at when it was uh, going vertical, and just sat with it. And then again, what would have happened is that put would have been. Uh, your put position, I should say, would have, if you did a full hedge, it would be gaining more value than the stock would be losing. And so when it came down and touched the um, uh, the 40-week moving average and then got support, that might have been the time to start uh, taking off the put because it's gotten support at, a, at an area where you would expect. It's now back above it and it's holding it. 
and uh, and now you're you're back in the stock. And the great thing is you're better off at that point than you were at the peak because the the put gained more value than the stock lost. Yeah, so that's one way to help you sit with some of these big mega winners. Exactly. And so if you have a lot of conviction in this in a stock, and we know that they uh, once they make a big move like Tesla did in 2020, it's got to take some time off. And if you want to sit there and hold it and stick with it, uh, buying a put is uh, is a good way to go about that. And again, the key is you need enough time so your uh, the put isn't losing value because of uh, theta, theta, and then that you know you make it easy to hedge, uh, to size your hedge by going with a 0.5 delta at the top. And if you own, uh, and here's the other tough part, not a lot of people might be owning um, 100 shares of Tesla. Yeah, maybe maybe if you bought it early. So uh, with options, you know, one option covers 100 shares. And, Mm -hmm. And in this case, if you had 100 shares of Tesla, you'd be buying two puts. Uh, with probably a nine-month, six to nine-month um, uh, time value on it. And uh, and the great thing is, and I used to struggle with this, it was like, oh, I don't want to spend so much on the put. Really, the price of the put is not the price of the hedge. The price of the hedge is the spread of the put, how much it t- costs you to get in and out, and then... Uh, and then what time value you may be losing. And also, you know, uh, volatility could be a factor as well. But basically, uh, because you're locking in your gain, the, the put really doesn't cost you anything. It's just insurance that that if um, you, the only cost of that insurance is the spread getting in and out of it. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's go to some questions now, okay. Chris. So Hal is asking, because with the on-on example that we looked at, Mm -hmm. that was kind of a a boom-bust type of stock, uh, a very quick move up and a quick move down. So he's asking, can you use the same principles when uh, dabbling in meme stocks? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I would be more nervous than that because there's, (laughs) there's a whole other element and that's you know you you've got this fight short between and, yeah the yeah. short squeeze and everything like that and so it can be extremely volatile and you know what we saw with some of the meme stocks is you might have been in it but then they wouldn't let you trade you could sell the stock but I I don't know if they were allowing you to trade options on it there were some places that that were really um, covering that but yes anytime you're in something. Uh, that is going vertical. And if you don't want to sell it, you could uh, hedge it. But Mm -hmm. I I would say with a meme stock, because there's not, I only want to hedge things that I have conviction about. Uh, If I don't have conviction about something and it's, I'm just like, wow, I got this gift and now it's up 50%. I'm just going to take it. I think that's the best thing to do. Exactly. Yeah, because even with on on, you pointed out, hey, this is a profitable IPO. Mm-hmm. It has strong growth off of a pretty significant base in sales already. So we're not purely looking at the technicals. We're also no. combining that with fundamental analysis and screening for those uh, high quality stocks or those with potential to have the big moves. 
All right. And now let's go over a couple other questions. So mm -hmm. we have one from Jeff. It's it's pretty open-ended here. Um, <laughs> and we've we've been talking about hedging strategies the whole whole show. Uh, so maybe just points to reiterate. But anyway, he's asking to avoid sudden down moves of individual stocks. Is it more beneficial to trade ETFs or options to preserve your individual your capital. So it sounds like if you're focusing on an individual position versus your entire portfolio, mm -hmm. using a put with, for that individual position would be the way to go, Chris. Well, well, to hedge it, but I think what he's really asking is you, the, the, the good thing with options is you know what your, um, your maximum loss is on a, on a straight position. So if you're buying a call, the most you can lose is the value of the call. Uh, and, and if you're nervous about or, or just your your nature is you don't want to deal with gap downs uh, in a stock. Definitely, you can you can buy options. Again, you you know I wouldn't. You, you need to go out long enough that time value isn't hurting. And actually, there are you know strategies where you know if you're if the option gains I don't know fifty or a hundred percent, and you can sell that option, roll it over into the next uh, three-month option down. And so essentially what you're doing is taking profits on the way up and still having that position in the stock. And then at some point, what will happen is the stock gets so volatile that selling the the uh, the option and buying a new one, you're, you're you're not buying. Uh, you're you're spending more on the new option than you made on the on selling the the prior option, and so it, rolling over doesn't make any sense at that point. And then ETFs, yeah, ETFs are a great way to to minimize single stock risk, yeah. although they're not in uh, uh, completely immune because we were looking at XLV today, and XLV to, is down quite a bit because of a single stock, and that's UNH. And uh, so uh, it, you know, it definitely helps, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't completely give you protection from single stock risk. But overall, especially with, you know, with broader indexes, right? Uh, yes, that's one way to take advantage of the gains in the market without mm -hmm. dealing with single stock risk. And, yes. and why I always say, you know, that blue line on there is the uh, relative strength line. And if you're looking at a stock that has a relative strength line that is going down or sideways, and that means it's either it's it's underperforming or just matching the S&P. So anytime you look at a stock that you want to buy or that you own, and if you're if you're not outperforming the S&P with it, then you got to say, why am I taking on the single stock risk? I should just buy SPY and I'll get the same or better returns without the worrying about earnings or things like that. Yeah. So with the thematic ETFs, sector ETFs, it's great to know what you own in those. Look at look at the weightings and look at the holdings. And with the market ETFs, investors can also use market timing signals with the market tracking ETFs uh, to either increase exposure or reduce exposure. So I guess that's, that's kind of probably the closest thing that we have to, to buy and hold mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way is uh, using an ETF market strategy. 
Absolutely. And, and actually we, we have one, you know, just based on the, the NASDAQ and S and P and following our market signals, uh, you know, can really reduce your drawdowns and capture the big moves up in the market. Okay. A couple more questions here. So this is a, a portfolio management question from John. Uh, has money with professional advisors, a, a diversified portfolio that has stocks, mm -hmm. ETFs, and mutual funds. But in past market meltdowns, he said they've lost up to 50% in a very short time. So right. besides rebalancing holdings to things like bonds, utilities, uh, what could be suggested to implement to better protect the gains? Well, that's, I mean, that's something to talk about with your financial advisor. And in fact, uh, we were uh, interviewing a guy for IBD who is also a financial advisor. And he was talking about how, you know, if people are, are, are uh, comfortable with hedging, you can ask your, your FA to, uh, to hedge your portfolio, whether it's using uh, options or, or inverse ETFs. I mean, or, or futures, I'm sure anything can be done. So I think it's a conversation you need to have with your uh, with your FA. Typically, the conventional wisdom is you can't time the market. And what we've shown on IBD uh, for uh, the last, uh, I guess, since 1984 is, yes, you can time the market because we sat out the 2000 bear market, the 19, uh, uh, the, 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 um, the 2008 meltdown, and uh, and even these shorter bear markets, uh, they can still be very punishing, and we'll sidestep uh, those and really raise high levels of cash or or uh, just reduce your exposure one way or the other, whether you're selling or hedging, and and then getting back in once the market is more favorable. So it it is something that can be done. We've done it for years, and uh, the easiest way is to you know. Uh, read the big picture every day and we have the market pulse and it tells you exactly are we in a confirmed uptrend or is that uh, market under pressure or are we in a correction? Yeah, and one of the frustrating things about a choppy, volatile periods like we're in now mm -hmm. is that uh, we, we may be getting signals of, uh, you know, back in uptrend. Oh, now we're under mm -hmm. pressure again, this and that. But um, if you're erring on the side of caution, even if you know we do turn around and start moving higher, you're protecting yourself from those uh, portfolio exploding uh, yeah. moves down. If if you are getting out when things do start start getting worse, we don't have a cr crystal ball to let us know that things are gonna turn right back around the other direction. But if we can prevent uh, and, and protect our portfolio in case things get worse, then uh, in the long run, that's a great spot to be. Absolutely. Okay. I would not I would not want to be uh, in, you know, fully invested without having a market timing strategy, because I've just seen how terrible it can be during these major bear markets like we had in 2000 and 2008 and even 20% bear markets can be very devastating and really break your your confidence yeah definitely very devastating okay uh one more question here okay. from frank before we go we'll knock out real quick uh he's asking which two moving averages do you find mm -hmm. most useful for actionable opportunities chris 
Well, we, we talked about the 10 uh, week and that I would say is the primary one that we really look at because that can keep you in a big winner even when you're feeling really negative and can turn a small loss or a small gain into a hundred percent or 200% gain. And it's those sorts of moves that will make the difference in your portfolio. And you just need a couple of those each year. And all of a sudden uh, everything else can just be flat, you know, slightly up, slightly down. And uh, a couple of big moves like that will make all the difference. And then the other one that I would say for like short term, well, we, we talked about the 10 day moving average. I think that's really helpful when stocks are getting, um, uh, extended the 50-day for um, especially uh, analyzing the the averages, and if you're in that six to eight percent range, um, you know uh, your spidey sense should be uh, rising that that a pullback could be coming. And then I, I know I'm at giving more. The 21-day moving average is another very um, uh, useful moving average for short-term, more short-term timing of individual stocks. And where to maybe buy support and and uh, uh, and you know maybe take some partial gains if if it breaks it. Yes, great stuff, Chris. And thank you so much for breaking down all of these hedging strategies <laughs> with me today. It's tough to navigate volatile markets, but with some of these tools, uh, we hope that you all out there can uh, can apply that to your portfolio and protect yourself out there. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Great to do it. Thank you. All right. And that's all the time that we have, but make sure that you join Barron's Live on Monday at noon for Barron's Roundtable. There's going to be a 2022 outlook for markets and the economy. Now, every January, Barron's convenes some of the most influential investors and market strategists to look at the year ahead. And so members of the roundtable include Abby Joseph Cohen and Mario Gabelli. They're going to offer their forecasts for the markets, economy, and stocks in 2022. And uh, the registration link is in the chat box. So uh, look forward to that. And thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. We will see you next time. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.